Coming up on today's Locked On Bucks, we take a look back at more Damian Lillard magic, a walk-off in that win against the Sacramento Kings. We revisit uh, that and that performance by Dame and by this team to close out the homestand. Also, some good news that we received from Jay Crowder. We had a feeling this would be coming uh, in these next couple of days, but we officially get that word and some interesting numbers to point out about the Bucs and their performance so far this season and specific parts of games. We'll get into all of that and uh, hear from you guys as well coming up on today's Locked on Bucks. You are Locked on Bucks, your daily Milwaukee Bucks podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into today's Locked On Bucks. I'm Justin Garcia. You can hear me on the Bucks Radio Network. Joined by Camille Davis. You can also hear her on the Technical File Podcast and the Carry the G and MKE Podcast. Still going strong, too, and into the divisional round. We are, of course, free and available wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And today's episode of Lockdown Bucks is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to get started. Um, Camille, I suppose we have to start with um, kind of piggybacking off of the post-game show that Frank and I did, but your reaction to Damian Lillard Walking it off, as we've seen some incredible performances from Dame, specifically fourth quarters, um, but I don't believe we've seen a true walk-off yet from Dame, so that was the first. Yeah, and that's why Dame said he's been saving the the, the, the Dame time yeah. celebration. There was no tapping of the wrist before that game winner against the Kings, and I just got to rewind and just first say, what a way to end off a Sunday of sports. If you are a Wisconsin sports fan, I would assume the Venn diagram of people who are Bucks fans and Packer fans, there's a lot of overlap there. Um, so seeing that Packers game and then having the Bucks game, which honestly could have been a really frustrating loss with <clears throat> how things were just going down the stretch, but then you get a really fun game or Dame game winner. And that just makes you forget everything else for a moment because you're just so wrapped up in the excitement of that shot. And, one, for some reason, I'm not exactly sure why, but <clears throat> when I saw that game winner and I saw the reaction of his teammates around it to this regular season game where they're celebrating uh, a big game winner, it reminded me of the Chris Middleton shot against Miami the year we traded away uh, Brandon Knight and we got MCW in and yeah. things were just kind of rocky for a bit with that Bucks team. And they were really looking for a win and they needed a win. And they got it on that big Chris three after Jared Bayless won the, the jump ball, tipped it over. Zaza grabbed it, tipped it over, back over to Chris. He hit that three. And just seeing how the team was so excited for it. And this is a Bucks team here where in the month of January, as we've talked about, didn't get off to the best start. So for them to have the stretch that they had where they blow out Boston, you know, beat the broadcast breaks off of them, like I said, um, after the post game, making TNT change it to facing a Warriors team that was short staffed. There was no Steph, no Draymond, no Moses Moody. Like there were a lot of guys who they were missing and they kept it close. Bucks pull that one off. And then the very next night, second number back to back, you have this Kings game where the Kings are putting up points. They're putting up points. Could have been a disaster with late game execution, but they found a, a way to win. And you saw how important it was for that team. And you saw how together there was, they were. And it was just super fun to watch. It was trending um, 
for a couple of minutes there towards a very, very frustrating loss and a man. How did we lose this game? Although if you're going to lose a game like that, I suppose that day is the day to do it when all the attention is on <laughs> right. uh, the Green Bay Packers. Um, but again, I, I look, I, I get the late game execution, the the critiques over that. And Frank and I went over that. And I, I don't think either of us were defending what happened. I, I get what they were shooting for. We walked through the logic and those quotes from uh, Adrian Griffin. I agree with the overall premise on this is how we should defend. I think, as as we mentioned, it was just a matter of maybe wait 10 seconds to employ that strategy. Um, and the whole Giannis thing, too, I've seen some of the comments, and I don't necessarily disagree with that, of maybe this is let's continue to get him some of those free throws uh, in those spots. And look, if you're going to do that, the regular season is the time to do it. But you also have Damian Lillard for a reason, and you have other very good shooters out there, too, like a Brooke Lopez, that you don't want this thing to get into question. I, I get getting honest, those reps and those looks. And again, you know, we mentioned this in the radio broadcast too. He's done a pretty good job overall in those spots. Giannis is quick to point out. I hit him when they count. And for the most part, that's largely true. And he's a 76% shooter in the clutch for free throws uh, this season. It's just a matter of, yeah, but maybe let's go to the other option. Maybe we can, we can try that. I, I get this too. Um, but it, it ended up being a really nice win. And I think, that was maybe probably the best win of the season for the Bucs, all things considered. I think we took great joy in the win against the Boston Celtics. Um, but when you consider how the week started and you mentioned the struggles that they went through to start January, we didn't know where this team was headed after that game against the Utah Jazz because we assumed start of a four-game homestand of all the teams on the schedule, the Jazz, maybe this is the easiest one to get here, this or the Warriors. and for the Bucs to come out as flat as they did, raised a lot of eyebrows. So for them to respond the way that they did and beat the Celtics the way that they did, still take care of business against the Warriors, even if that is a shorthanded Warriors team. And then this one, uh, again, I, I don't know how you feel, but I think it was the best win of the season. For night two of a back-to-back, three games in four days, you played around a little bit at the end. You were out Chris Middleton, but you still pulled through and won it. It's up there. It's up there for this regular season because it's been ebbs and flows in this season. It's been ups and downs. And that game winner, it made me think something that you said, actually, which I think was after the first Boston game when Dame went crazy in the fourth quarter and they got the score pretty close. And for a second there was hope like, hey, the Bucs might be able to actually win this game here. But then Dame gets hung on that dunk. Things don't work out quite there at the end. But you mentioned like after watching this game, I am even more confident in the fact that this was the trade that the Bucks needed to make. And when I watched that game winner, that was my feeling of watching. Like, this is why you have a Damian Lillard on your team. Like, no, you don't want to give up 142 points to any team. You don't. You don't want to be in that situation. But if you're a team that can keep it close, if the Bucs can keep it close throughout and you find yourself in a position to win a game, it's really nice having a Damian Lillard on your side because of his track record and what he's been able to do. And then you see him actually execute that during that Kings game where you get a crazy fading three-pointer for the win. And you're just like, this is what this is, this is exactly what I'm talking about. Like even his celebration, and he mentioned it after the game where he's like, I've been here before. I've done this before. That's why I didn't do my Dame time celebration before this particular one, because it needed to be like something that closed the game, closed the game. And I feel that way now where it's like, yes, this team has some things to continue to work on. And 
who knows what we'll see happen at the trade deadline if anything does happen. But I'm feeling really good about having Damian Lillard on our team at this moment because we've seen the Bucks offense in the half court in the playoffs and what tends to happen when things can get slowed down and having Dame changes the equation. Well, and I think what all of us feel most good about if that is an, if even is a phrase is, um, you know, we we've talked about it before with some of these Dame fourth quarters in that it, it truly does not matter what he's shooting for the first, not even three quarters for the first 43, 44, 45 minutes of the game that, he still strikes that fear in you and you have to look for him. He could be 0 for 17 and whoever it is you're playing, they're still game planning of can't let Damian Lillard take this shot. And that's the importance that he brings. That's what he's going to open up for Giannis and, and Chris Middleton and, and the rest of this group. And why we're in agreement that, you know, I, I think even through the, the issues and the struggles, I think we are all kind of aligned of, I get it's a bummer to lose Drew Holiday and especially to see him go against a team you may have to go through to win the Eastern Conference, but this was a move that the Bucs needed to make and uh, Damian Lillard displaying that uh, once again tonight. We will get to the biggest news to come out today, and that's the Jay Crowder update. As I've already seen a few comments trickle in about that, but again, we knew it was going to be close. Uh, we heard from Adrian Griffin last week during this homestand that was a matter of days and he's very close. So you started to do the math and said, well, if it wasn't Saturday and it wasn't Sunday and we were told days, you got two days off. I would assume it's sometime uh, on this road trip. So we will get you updated on that to Jay Crowder news before we do move on and to get to a break. I did want to just look back at that final play um, because there's so much stuff that goes into is, you know, most of locked on bucks fans that are truly engrossed in this and follow all of it. You can notice these things, but not everybody picks up on it. And Adrian Griffin talked about that last play on that Dame game winner and that the original design was for Giannis to be coming somewhere around midcourt to flash back as the help, get the inbounds, and Brooke Lopez would then set a screen for Damian Lillard. Somewhere around midcourt, Giannis would get it to Dame, and that's how they would get their look. We saw towards the end of that game, the Kings were doing everything they could selling out to make sure Dame wasn't getting the ball for inbounds. And the same thing was starting to happen. And then they were doing the same to Giannis, basically yeah. knowing, well, Dame's inbounding. So we know he's looking to Giannis. He's going to start to sprint down the floor and Giannis will get it back to him. So the Kings went out of their way to make sure Giannis couldn't get the ball. And it was Brooke Lopez flashing back. And, and Adrian Griffin talked about that after the game, too, saying it was just a heads-up play by Brooke to see what was going on, flash back to the ball, knowing that was not the design and they needed to use Brooke as the screen setter. That all changed. And I think you could see kind of the awkwardness of spacing with Brooke and how he was behind Dame on that final play. But still, to recognize that and say, we got to get the ball in bounds here, so I'm just going to come back and help him and get him the ball back. That's the stuff that you get from veterans. Absolutely, absolutely. I'm glad you brought that up because, one, it showed just the IQ of Brooke Lopez on that play and how the Bucs had to adjust to the Kings adjustment there because they definitely had two on Giannis um, when they were trying to end ball the, bound to, the ball to him when Brooke came up for it. And after the game, when Dame hit the game winner, I was seeing from a certain subset of people that they thought that Brooke Lopez was unhappy 
that Dame took the game winner because Brooke Lucky was calling for the ball, but Brooks there as an option, right? And then you see clearly after the game that he's not mad. He just can't believe that he just watched he, he Dame. Hands on the head like, yeah, oh my like, God, yeah. disbelief. It's not anger. It's disbelief. And then you see him smiling and coming up to him afterwards. So I'm glad you brought that up because that's something I did just want to clear up in case anybody else was walking around with the illusion that, for some reason, Brooke Lopez wouldn't be happy to win a game. Um, it was him being in amazement. Like, all of us were watching Dame knock that down. Um, one last thing. More iconic visual. Last year, the photo of the five starters on the bench with their legs crossed, legs crossed. or what we saw after the game last night with everybody holding up the wrist and pointing to Dame time. Oh, that's a hard one because the bench one you don't see that often. Dame time, we've seen the celebration, but you've never, I don't think I've seen the full team doing it. And Giannis even slid down his shoulder pad to make it like a watch on his wrist. <laughs> yes. I'm maybe it's the recency bias. Let me go with the Dame pitcher. Yeah. Well, and hopefully because last year it didn't end up well for the Bucks. Uh, with <laughs> things rolled out uh, there. I mentioned the Jay Crowder news. We see a couple of uh, comments popping up too. Um, about Jay Crowder and his pending return. We will get into that. And also some interesting numbers. If you're in that uh, camp that thinks, hey, we're just starting to catch our stride or the Milwaukee Bucks, we have some interesting numbers to back that up as well. We'll get into it after the break. Well, this episode of Locked on Bucks is sponsored by BetterHelp. And uh, look, we just got through a very rough, rough, time on the calendar for a lot of people. If you're dealing with anxiety or stress coming out of the holiday season, you may still have some of that left over and you may be pondering when's the best time to seek some help for that. Well, the time is now with better help. You can improve yourself. It doesn't even have to be something that you focused on just any type of personal growth that you're looking for because we can get obsessed with how to change ourselves coming out of the new year. And that's where better help is here to assist you. They offer a wide variety of ways to do this to you. Uh, therapy helps you find your strengths. You can ditch the extreme love resolutions and make changes that really stick for you. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It is entirely online. It is designed to be convenient and flexible. And most importantly, it is suited to your schedule. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire. From there, you'll get matched with a licensed therapist. You can even switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Celebrate the progress you have already made. Visit betterhelp.com slash locked on NBA today, and you'll get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash locked on NBA. And Camille, as people are watching this show on YouTube now, we should also remind them that Lockdown has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube, Lockdown Sports Today. It is here for you 24-7, covering the top stories of the day with the local experts you would expect from Lockdown, plus our national shows that cover every single league. Just go to Lockdown Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel i mentioned uh the news and that is jay crowder making it official through his social channels that uh, he is back and um look it was what nine games that uh, jay crowder played in this season 
it was as, as we detailed at the time of the injury. It was a frustrating injury for Jay Crowder just because of everything he went through last season and how good he was playing to start this season. So unfortunate to see him go down, but Jay Crowder announcing that uh, he is finally back is a huge lift for this team that, you know, is starting to find some pieces that work as we've cautioned. Jay Crowder is not the thing you point to that. This is going to solve everything, but the bucks are starting to figure some of that out. And now you're getting him back too, which is a big piece for that defense. A needed piece for that defense as well, because he is somebody who, while he he's a smaller body, but he can be a small ball four as well. And that's the piece of it that I was so interested in, because prior to his injury, there were some lineup combinations that we just didn't get to see a lot of. Like we haven't seen too many small ball lineups with Jay being in there, manning the four spot next to Giannis. I'm very much looking forward to see what that might look like. And especially just how at this point, in the season, Adrian Griffin is learning his team. He has a better understanding of his team today than he did when Jay went out. And he's talked about that over the last few games and, you know, post-game conferences, pre-game conferences, just saying like, hey, figuring things out, like why he was going with Andre Jackson Jr. over campaign where it's like, hey, I figured at this point in time, we need a little bit more height, a little bit more length, a little bit more defense. So I wanted to go this route. And we've talked about what his scheme seems to be what his scheme seems to want to do and it, it looks like switching is something that he would love to be able to do jay crowder is somebody who fits well into that and for as much as we've talked about defense and it's for good reason because this bugs team hasn't looked quite like the teams that we've gotten used to seeing under bud defensively he helps there but he was also shooting nearly 50 percent from three if my memory is correct prior to his injury not like he was shooting on a super high volume but you know that when you're on the floor with Dame and with Giannis, teams are going to load up to try to stop them at all costs. It's part of why Malik Beasley offensively has been such a good pickup for this team because if you leave him open, at this point it feels like an almost guaranteed three with the way that he's been shooting the ball at a higher volume. You add in Jay Crowder, another guy who can give you something defensively, but you also know you can trust him uh, to knock down that open shot, assuming that you know he continues to build on what we saw. And this is not me saying when he comes back, if he's not shooting 50%, like, oh, this is it's terrible now, but like, you need a plus three point shooter. We've seen teams not respect Andre. He's going to have to make them respect his shot. Um, and he's been doing a decent shot, a decent job at that when he does shoot the ball, um, even though his form is unique, but it's been, it's been working for him. So that's the thing about Jay coming back that's so exciting. You think of the lineup potential, you think of how it also helps that offense that has already been finding its stride. And, Jay just unlocked some things for this team, I think. And then also just to see him with Andre will be interesting as well now that he's getting more playing time. Yeah, and uh, as we went through too, we've seen some Andre small ball four lineups. Um, I think the biggest piece too, obviously you'll point to the defense and, and what he brings. He did a, he being Jay, did a much better job this season than I think any of us envisioned. And, and you hope that hasn't gone away or or is at least lingering there as he works through getting back from this injury, but he did a much better job than I think you could have hoped for defending um, per, on the perimeter this season, mm -hmm. given you know last year you weren't sure, is this just the case of Jay Crowder as a veteran and getting older, or was it truly – it was kind of a weird year for him where he didn't play for the first half of the season, still had to get himself into game shape. And if, if it's just nine games, so not a huge sample. But going off of that, it certainly looks like it was just – he just needed a full year – under his belt so his ability to do that is huge 
for the defense because, as you mentioned, the different combinations that it allows you to play. And look, it's not to say that Brooke Lopez has no place on this team. You just need more ways to play. And you go back to the championship season, Brooke was a big piece of that, but so was P.J. Tucker, and so was the ability to play Giannis at the five and play smaller in some of those spots and be able to switch one through five when you had Drew Holiday there. Um, so you need that. And Jay Crowder's a big piece of being able to do that. And I think it comes at especially a good time for Jay in that, you know, we've talked about Bobby a lot this season and some up and down play and uh, the numbers, you know, as, as I think any of us would imagine, he's much better at home than he is on the road. And the numbers back that up. He's not only scoring more and getting more rebounds, he's doing it more efficiently. And I think it's it's probably clear to see why when you see the impact that he has in that building and with the fans and how much Bobby thrives off of that. So I think it's big to get Jay Crowder back at a moment when Bobby Portis was fantastic last night. And Bobby Portis put together three very good games to close out this homestand after he had been going through some struggles. So it's not like Jay Crowder comes back and it's, man, we really need you because this defense is totally lost. Bobby Portis is going through some struggles, so no pressure, Jay, but step in and basically be the savior for him to come back when this team is starting to play better. Again, still areas to clean up defensively, but starting to put together some more of those quarters where you see, okay, we got to see it for 48 minutes, but we're at least seeing it for extended stretches is going to be especially helpful to Jay Crowder as well. It is. It is. And I just saw a comment come through from Andrew just talking about defensive issues that they've seen, mentioning the fact that it always seems like there's a backdoor cutter who comes in behind the paint and it's like an easy pass layup uh, then or dunk situation. And how can Jay help that if he does help that? And it's interesting, right? Because I feel like one of the weaknesses of the Bucks defense is that there's a lot of there's too much ball watching. And it's not just from Bobby. Like Giannis does it from time to time. Like you see the guys that are just watching ball and losing track of who's behind them. Now, one thing I can say about Jay Crowder, I can't say here today and be like, hey, you put Jay back in and all that stops. But what I can say is that Jay is somebody who loves to communicate defensively, and he's going to be calling out what he sees. He's not someone from what I've noticed of watching Jay Crowder play who spends as much time ball watching as some other Bucks tend to do. So having that voice back, someone else to help communicate, to help your teammates look to where they need to be doing, make sure they're rotating over properly. It's always helpful. It takes all five guys on the court to play successful defense. You add in a piece like Jay Crowder, who's good at that. And like, it, it should help. Now I'm not, again, not saying it's going to fix everything, but like it definitely should help. Yeah. And uh, a couple of those uh, other points, as uh, we saw Tyler mentioned too, Jay was defending twos and threes and fours. Yep. And again, just nine games, but he was hitting the three at a high percentage. You mentioned the percentage that he was hitting at, so that's big to get that back because you need that defensive help. But I think that's what we've seen from Andre Jackson Jr. As, as much as we love him, and he's he's going to have some ups and downs, is you still see the biggest difference is he is a defensive playmaker. Mm-hmm. But when he's on the floor, it it changes how teams have to defend the Bucks. that you'll see the swing, swing, and moving to Andre in the corner they're going to sag off of him and immediately start to rotate back and say, if he shoots it fine, but it's not Malik Beasley. Um, So that's big for Jay to be able to add that lift offensively as well. The other thing that Nate points out is it's going to take a couple of weeks for him to get back into form. I agree. 
And that's, again, where it's especially nice that this isn't coming at a moment where it's, man, we absolutely need him. If it wasn't immediately after the Jazz game and uh, Bobby and others going through a prolonged slump where that pressure is on uh, everyone to say, hey, uh, Jay, we need you to be the guy you were for those first nine games of the season. That's big to uh, to help him out as well um, coming back from this injury. So it's it's look, it's, it's things starting to trend in the right direction. I don't think either of us are sitting here saying they fixed everything and <laughs> this team is better than the Celtics. I feel really good. I think overall it is fine to feel good about where this team is at 28 and 12. And, uh, you know, some of the numbers that we'll get to in the next segment, it's kind of a, however you, you choose to view this, but there's some interesting things to point out about the level of competition that they've played and how they've performed in those games so far this season. We'll get into uh, that conversation and a few other things to uh, to look back on and to clean up from what we saw last night or the game on Sunday night uh, against the Sacramento Kings. We will get into that discussion coming up after the break on Locked on Bucks. Well, I know we come to sports oftentimes to escape some of the crazy realities of real life, but if we can just talk for a minute about preparing for real life. According to the FDA, pharmacies are running out of antibiotics like amoxicillin, and this is coming right in the middle of the worst flu season in over a decade. I can't imagine a more helpless feeling than knowing somebody that you know needs that and can't get what they need while a supply chain issue is going on. Thankfully, we'll be okay because of Jace Medical. The Jace case is a pack of five different antibiotics to treat a long list of bacterial illnesses, including UTIs, respiratory infections, skin infections, among others. This is all stuff that could happen to any of us. Visit jacemedical.com and complete your physician encounter. It'll be reviewed by a board-certified physician, and your medications will be dispensed by a licensed pharmacy at a fraction of the regular cost. It has never been more important to be prepared than today. Go to jacemedical.com and use the offer code Locked On to get your $20 off order. Jace Medical, that's J-A-S-E medical.com. Uh, Camille, I mentioned these numbers that I did want to point out here, but let's just go back to that game uh, against the Kings for a brief moment here and, and talking about whether or not that was the best win of the season. I think to date, yes. But when you think about the most fun games we've seen from the Bucks this season, I, I think to me, really three stand out and they're all for different reasons. Uh, one would be the season opener when we finally got to see Damian Lillard and just hearing the crowd reaction when you were waiting for the starting lineups and you hear wearing the letter O and Damian Lillard and realizing, holy cow, this is a reality. He's wearing a Bucks jersey. Uh, and then the way that Damian Lillard played down the stretch in the fourth quarter to help the Bucks beat the Sixers, obviously beating the Boston Celtics doesn't matter what the scenarios were. And funny how that works with the Bucks around night two of a back-to-back without one of their big players and they still managed to win in overtime. But nonetheless, beating the Celtics always going to be a fun one. This one, though, had everything, that it was a very competitive game from start to finish. There were lead changes. You had shot-making from both these teams. Whether or not the defense played a role in that on either side 
it was just a fun game to be a part of. So not only was it the best win, that was maybe the most enjoyable experience. And I think certainly coupling that with what happened earlier in the day and just walking around the building, uh, me and Dave Kane and our engineer watching parts of the Packer game on our phones as we were getting ready for the game and just seeing everybody else doing the same and knowing the Packers won. And now we add this too. It was probably the most fun day of the Bucks season so far. Yeah. I was thinking more about that because you, when you asked it earlier, I was like, that's a great question. Like, it has to be up there. Like, the only games that come to mind, you mentioned the, the home opener, which season opener, where you're like, yes, this is our first time seeing it. And we got some some cool day moments. The indie win was yeah. fun for its own host of reasons uh, by that point. And then Ballgate afterwards. But, I mean, Giannis dropping 64 and the franchise record, that was a fun one. And then a, a sleeper, funny game for me this season. The first Cleveland game that we had where they were kind of down, they had to come back um, a bit there, and it was back and forth a bit, and then the Bucs just kind of pulled away with it. That was a fun one to watch, but nothing quite like this Kings finish there because I think when you have those moments of frustration that turn into moments of euphoria, like it's something about that combination where you're like, well, this is is over. Like, we're not doing – it's not going to happen, like – we're down six in overtime now. Like that's, that's a pretty, it feels sizable at that point with only so much time left. And then you get the, the big Pat three, the big Brook three, and then you get a Dame game winner. Like there were some moments in that game. And then you have a, the, the Giannis shoulder sleeve. Like it's one of those games too, where visually it's going to stand out unless Giannis adopts a shoulder sleeve uh, from here on out, like triple double Giannis. Like there was so many things in that game and there wasn't even any Chris Middleton uh, to lean on there. So my personal fan bias part of me is going to say, if there's no Chris Middleton, like I can't fully enjoy that victory. No, I'm joking, but um, yeah, it's definitely up there. Yeah. And look, those are all good things to bring up too, because last night Dame gets the headlines and rightfully so when he hit a 35 footer at the buzzer for the win, um, but as you mentioned, Giannis had a triple double. Uh, I think eight players, each team had four players, I believe, score 20 or more points. So he had that volume of scoring, um, Dame and the game winner that he had. But none of that is possible without that three by Pat Connaughton after the Bucks yep. had some good looks earlier in overtime that they just missed. And yet Pat Connaughton hits that three to uh, tie the score. And I mentioned this on the radio broadcast too, but I, I do wonder, we won't hear from Mike Brown because he was ejected by that point. But did you see the press conference, by the I, way? I did. He pulls did. up the laptop. And, and look, um, I'm not one to blame the officials and harp on that. Um, and as, as my broadcast partner will be quick to point out, if you guys think NBA officials are bad, you haven't experienced a full season of college basketball and, and what some of those calls can be like. But uh, I think some of Mike Brown's uh, complaints, and I, I do love the prop of bringing out the laptop and showing the clips. Beautiful. Um, you know, by the letter of the law, sure, they make sense. But I would just argue, you know, Mike, I think the Bucks had just as many that they could have pointed to as well. But that in itself was so crazy, too, because I have never seen anything like that. Like, his reaction I have never seen a coach quite as agitated as Mike Brown was. We've seen Spo get into it and get after it with officials where he knows he's just shooting for the ejection. Um, but it happened so fast, and it, we caught it out of the corner of our eye that I thought it was two players getting into it at first because he he cut off Pat Connaughton that there was contact there and then had to be restrained by, I think it was Malik Monk and one of his it assistants. It, it was 
it was insane. So you, you had that to it as well. It, it just, the game had everything. And again, and Frank and I talked about it, campaign and Bobby Portis, two guys that they really shine for the Bucks, especially early in the fourth quarter when you didn't have Giannis or Dame on the floor. So uh, all things considered, it was a great win. And to finish that point, I guess, um, is, you know, that Brook three-pointer that made it a one-point game. Big shot. Big shot, but also kind of a defensive breakdown by the Kings because they're in scramble mode. Giannis gets the rebound. I think part of it is still, holy cow, we missed two free throws here. And Giannis starts attacking. The Kings immediately clog the paint again. That's probably just out of habit of this is how we defend Giannis, leaving Brooke open in the corner when in hindsight, just let Giannis score the two there instead of giving up a three with that little time left. And honestly, the way Brooke got that three off, like it was beautiful for a seven-footer yeah. to get that type of three-pointer off. Like I see produced by Tyler Minch, and he went crazy when Brooke hit that three. And it's like, for good reason. The man was backpedaling yeah. to the corner to knock down the three, had time to check his feet, make sure, get the shot up. And it wasn't like a real set shot because he was moving backwards as he's catching. And he knows, like, got to get this shot up now before the defense realizes I'm over here exactly. And straight cash like that was a necessary shot it was beautiful like Brooke Lopez is somebody who whose name gets brought up a lot and it has for years now like even the season when he got hurt and I would think that a lot of Bucks fans would have watched that season and been like wow I really do see how we need Brooke Lopez you still have people who don't quite understand the value and like I know this season has been rough and it's been for a lot of different reasons that we've talked about on various episodes of this show. So like the everydayers are well aware of some of the things that we've pointed out as to why it looks as if Brooke Lopez is having more breakdowns at the rim, but a key shot from a key contributor of this team, like we talk about big three, but like this team really is a core four aspect because a lot of their defense revolves around what Brooke Lopez can bring in that drop coverage, what he can erase uh, behind everybody. And then you add in the three point shooting, which hasn't been as, you know, uh, effective this year, but we know he has an enemy and teams are going to respect it to a certain degree and the big shot that we need it. All right, let's not waste any more time because I've mentioned and hyped up these numbers for a while now. So for cleaning the glass, which takes out all the garbage time, um, the Bucks have played seven games against teams that are basically in the top 10 of, of net rating. Seven games is not a huge sample size, but I remember talking about this last night before the game and saying, you know, I know the Bucks haven't played an, an overly challenging schedule, but it does seem like they they still have this thing that it's gone through a number of coaching staffs that they just seem to, outside of the Boston Celtics, play to their level of competition. That even, even despite not playing a ton of games against the best teams yet, I feel like we played pretty well overall in those games. And the numbers back it up. And again, seven games, as we cautioned earlier in the year, you know, don't make too much out of the first 10 games of the season. So it's no different here, but it's just food for thought. In those games against teams in the top 10 in point differential, the Bucs are five and two. And what is most eye-popping is they have the number one rated offense. That's not surprising. The number two rated defense and are best in net rating in those seven games against the best teams in the league. So again, you need to see more of it than seven games, but that would seem to back up. They play their best when they know the stakes are higher. And that's pretty easy to figure out when you got guys like Giannis and Brooke 
and uh, Chris Middleton and obviously Bobby and Pat that have been through some pretty deep playoff runs. And to just add even more to that, we've talked at length about the Bucks numbers in the clutch so far this season. But with last night's win, they're 16 and six in those games. Only the Magic have a higher win percentage. They're 12 and four. And the Bucks are seventh best offensively, fourth best defensively, under 100 defensive rating in the clutch, and fifth best in net rating. So they're right around fifth in all of those categories. Only the Bucks, Knicks, and Nuggets are ranked in the top 10 in all three of those areas in clutch games. So again, more of a sample size in those instances of 22 games versus seven, but it, it's starting to walk towards that path and back up that look, when it matters most and when the competition is at its highest, the Bucks have played their best. And that's what you hope to continue to see. And that's part of why I like the analytics, like looking at the numbers, because you think you're seeing something on the court and you're like, hey, I feel like in the clutch, the Bucks are doing pretty well. And then you go and look up the numbers and I'm not sure what your initial reaction was to seeing them. But in my mind, I'm thinking, oh, like, yeah, they're doing good there. But I'm even still surprised to hear how good those numbers are. And I get anybody who would be skeptic, like skeptical and saying, like, I still don't trust this Bucks defense. I don't care what those particular numbers say, because it's a certain subset of the game. But it's like, well, how did you get to this point of the game anyways? Because your defense, so on and so forth. Completely understandable. And I'm not going to be here to try to talk you out of how you feel. But I can communicate how I feel about it. And I have come over to the side of as long as the Bucks can be elite offensively, and be okay, average at worst defensively, but have a lineup or have something they can go to in crunch time where they can get stops, that's still a championship-winning formula. Like, I do think there are still things for them to clean up defensively. I do still think that we might have some personnel questions that need to be answered by John Horst on this roster. But with the team here, like, I still think this team has a chance to do something special, even if they didn't make chance. Like, there is, you can see the, the outline of where you're like, ah, this is actually working. Like, there are things that for sure can be better. And you would like to see it be better more consistently. And I think that's the piece of it as well. Like, do it consistently so we can have that confidence in you. But if they can continue to perform at the very least consistently in crunch time, I'm going to go into the playoffs feeling pretty comfortable about what the Bucs can do. And this part backs the overall the eye test in that if we just looked at point differential in those games against the, the top 10 teams, uh, the top five in terms of net rating in those games, the Bucs, number one, by a wide margin, 10.8. Next up is the Thunder, who are 3.9. But the top five are the Bucks, the Thunder, the Celtics, the Nuggets, and the Clippers. And those have largely been either teams that have been very good to dominant so far this season or teams that you look at and you say, I, I trust this team. And with the Clippers, I know that's a maybe a tough sell, but it's moving towards it's getting hard not to trust this team if Kawhi is healthy and Harden is playing the way that he is. So that part, it's not like, wow, well, this seems like this is a crazy outlier. I think the way the Bucs have done it, probably there is some outlier factors there. And certainly that game against the Celtics went a long way in pushing the Bucs numbers up. Now this takes out garbage time, but still that goes a long way in uh, propping up some of those numbers. But that's the company that the Bucs are in with how they've performed in those categories. And conversely, when you look at some of those younger teams that have been hovering around the top this season, I think everybody is kind of pointed to 
I want to believe, and certainly teams like the Timberwolves and the Thunders, as Bucks fans can relate to, uh, you're happy to see successes from teams like that because you went through the same thing for decades. But I think everybody points to, look, I'm glad that they've got it turned around, but I need to see more of it before I really trust it. Yeah. The Bucks went through that the first couple of years of uh, Mike Budenholzer as well. And that's kind of what it's it's been when you look at these numbers. Thunder have been pretty good defensively. Their offense has just been slightly better than that in these spots. That's not too surprising when you look up and down at that team and think, I know Shea Gilgis-Alexander is going to be able to get me a basket in the half court. Who else on that team in those big spots do you really trust to do that? The Timberwolves, kind of a same story that obviously Rudy Gobert has been huge for their defense. Anthony Edwards can defend, and they have some nice team defenders. Their defense has taken a little bit of a step back. Uh, not that it's been bad, but a little bit of a step back against those top teams. That's been the offense, too, that's just been okay. They have a flat net rating. So those things kind of line up with what you would assume to be the case. And again, it's seven games, so it doesn't mean, hey, it's fixed, and this defense <laughs> is all of a sudden good. But I think these are the signs that you look to, and, and these are the things that I'm sure Adrian Griffin looks at when he says, I like where we're headed, and I think we're starting to do things the right way and moving in the right direction. So as, as people have pointed out, now the important part is this is a pretty winnable stretch that the Bucs yeah. are entering. I saw people questioning too, why is this the schedule it's that the Bucs have? Schedule. Well, it's because that's what the schedule makers put on the schedule. That's what <laughs> they have. But yeah, your next five games are not only all within the division, but they're against two teams. So you're in Cleveland on Wednesday. Then you have two straight series. You have that baseball series in Detroit, against the Pistons. Thankfully, it's a two o'clock tip on Saturday, meaning uh, all of our postgame stuff should be done by six o'clock, leading into <laughs> a, a big football game that night. And then uh, Monday night, and then you got two at home against the uh, Cavaliers. So look, we've, we've mentioned it quite a bit, but these are the important stretches of the schedule to keep piling up these wins and keep keeping the pace with the Boston Celtics because as, as we've continued to hammer people over the head with, it changes, and it changes rapidly. That schedule does for the Bucks once you especially get past the All-Star break. So you, you got to take care of those winnable games in the meantime. Yeah, now's the time. Like, we've talked about what the beginning of this season is a lot for this team. They're learning. NBA teams don't get much time to practice during the regular season. So a lot of times they're using game reps to try to get concepts down, figure things out in real time, and then they take a look at the film through walkthroughs, whatever the case may be, and then they try to go and implement that during the next game, which is part of why you enjoy having the 82, because you have a chance to work through things. And I know with us here doing Locked On Bucks, for all the fans who are watching every single game, you live and die by every single game because you're invested in it. You're we, We're talking about it. So you can sometimes uh, lose track of the bigger picture because you're looking at what's happening on this day. But we're about halfway through the season. And even with all of the things that we think that the Bucks might need to still improve on, they're second in the East. Some are saying that's like empty calories, but hey, listen, I'd rather be full on empty calories and figuring things say, out. You know what? Sometimes empty calories taste good. Sometimes you want a Big Mac, okay? You know it's not as good as the salad, but sometimes you want the Big Mac. No, but, no, but like seriously, like it's the time for the Bucks to get these wins so that you hope the case is that after All-Star break, when you're starting to head into the playoffs, now you're starting to play some of your best ball. I would rather this team start peaking after All-Star break than have already achieved it now and then stuff starts falling apart. So 
that's part of the joy of the 82. You get Jay back, you can try some new things out. I'm really excited, like I mentioned before, uh, to see if Griff tries some new things with Jay this time around since the last time we saw him, since he only got to play in like the first nine games of the season. And I feel like Griff's done some different things since then. So it'll be interesting to see, like, again, we're, we're, we do this, we, we talk about the Bucks every day and there are people who watch the Bucks every day. And I can think I can speak for everybody by saying I'm looking forward to continuing to watch how this season unfolds, because that's the only way we know exactly how it's going to go. By the way, I said sometimes empty calories taste good all the time. They taste good. That's why they're uh, empty calories. Uh, we'll be back with another show tomorrow. And I do want to get into some of the more rotational based questions. Frank and I touched on it a little bit after the game uh, against the Kings, but we've seen some interesting things for a couple of players. So we'll get into that because as we've mentioned, you know, when, when somebody comes back, the minutes got to come from somewhere. So Jay Crowder, is going to take minutes from someone as as we have a better idea of what to expect in terms of his onboarding and, and getting back into the swing of things and see what his minutes restriction, if any, will be. We'll, we'll get into that discussion, too, of where are those minutes going to come from, from uh, Jay Crowder. So we'll get into that and a little bit more of a preview of the Cavaliers for a one-off on the uh, show tomorrow. Thanks to everybody for hanging out for the uh, last handful of minutes here on the live show. For Camille, I'm Justin. We will talk to you once again tomorrow.